Philippians chapter 1, I want to begin with verse 3 and read through the scripture that we looked at last week and then a perspective that he goes on. Philippians chapter 1, beginning with verse 3, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. For your partnership in mission, your partnership with me along with God in walking with him, doing what he wants you to do. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. This is not about you. Remember we talked about last week. It's not about you trying harder, but rather surrendering more so that the spirit of God flows through you and accomplishes his purposes. It's right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ. And so this part, it was a partnership. It wasn't just a relationship. It was this partnership in his mission, his partnership when he was in prison, his partnership when he wasn't in prison, his, their partnership with God on mission, which caused them and he to be filled with joy in the relationship with God and with one another. Mission. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you, as you go through this life, to experience the fruit of Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control flowing through you and leaving a residue of his pleasure and his presence in you and through you as you are partners in this mission with me. I want, and we stopped there last week, he, and he goes on, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He's in prison in Rome. He's been shipwrecked. There's all kinds of stuff that we'll talk about in the weeks ahead. That has happened to him, a whole bunch of what we would consider bad stuff, really bad stuff, has happened to me, has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. What has happened to me, all the hard stuff, all the bad stuff, all the painful stuff that has happened to me has actually been used by God so that people that I wanted to reach, that I couldn't reach, the imperial guard, the household of Caesar, those that are close to Caesar in power, have actually begun to hear about Jesus. And, he, and, and the implication is I could have never imagined it would have happened this way. But it has. And most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment. Are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. He says, not only have the imperial guard heard about me, but those that are not in prison have been encouraged and emboldened to... But because they're seeing what's happening with me. And people are trying to cause me problems are actually being used by God to promote Christ too. 
He says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. This week, as as I've spent a lot of time in this passage of Scripture, the, the, uh, the thought or the idea that keeps coming to my mind is, that, is this phrase, it's in the trenches. It's in the trenches. It's in the trenches. It's not on the mountaintop. It's not in the, the uh, wonderful miracle. It's in the trenches where we live our utmost for his highest. And so I've been thinking about this a lot, praying about this a lot. And, and I think um, we, it's easy for preachers and Bible teachers to find themselves talking about God in the general sense. Um, and, 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 I, and, and what came to mind were the rah-rah speeches that you see in movies. So here's the formula. And you guys can help me call out movies if if you think about it. Here's the formula. Some ragtag group of people somehow come together and they're, uh, and football, baseball, you know, whatever sport you want to to call it. And, and, And they come together and they find themselves in this contest with a team that is bigger and stronger and more professional, and they, they, they just believe in themselves, and finally the game starts, and, and they're playing, and they're getting slaughtered, and, they're, and they come in at halftime, and then the coach or the captain or one of the players steps up and gives the rah-rah speech, right? The rah-rah speech. I know, we're beat up, and we're down, and it looks like nothing's going to happen, but if we just pull together and if we try harder and we, I know that we can do it and we'll be able to pull it out. Don't give up. And, you know, all of these beaten up, you know, players, you know, their eyes start to lift up and, and they start to get courage. And now suddenly they're getting excited and the motions are going and they, they the rah, rah speech and they, they leave the locker room. And then in the happily ever after movies, they win in the last second by one point and everything, everybody lives happily ever after. What's that? Yeah. Andy Reid. And, and, it, and I think sometimes, and, and it comes in other ways. And so if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, you know, Frodo and Sam are on the side of the mountain, Mount, Mount Doom is it, I think. And Sam's given up, and he's not going to go any farther, but I'm not Sam. Frodo's given up. He's not going any farther. Sam goes, oh, I can't carry it for you, but I'll carry you. And he goes in, and, 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 then, they, and then, then you think they're all going to die, and eagles show up, and, every, you know, and, everybody, and happily ever after, right? A quilt group. I just, I don't know how that would look. I just, I, I just thought I'd throw it in there for those of you that aren't sports fans. Comes to the last minute, and they got to get it done before the contest, and, and they all come together, and I don't know how that works. But over and over and over, in all of these scenarios, it's the rah-rah speech. And, it's, and so comedic sketches will sometimes take that scenario 
And they'll show the rah-rah speech and they'll go out and then at the end of the game they come in and they're beaten and battered and, and just, they just got destroyed. Because it didn't work. But you see, you don't watch those movies because they're not inspiring. And so I've been kind of convicted this week thinking that so oftentimes as a pastor, we look at scripture and we look at principles and we get caught and, and I give a rah-rah speech Go out there and God will take care of you. And then, um, but you don't know what to do in the trenches. Because it's not in the rah-rah moments that we live. In the book of Acts, you have 28 chapters that covers over 30 years. So what do you get? You get the moments, the highlights, the miracles, the supernatural, mostly. In the Gospels, you know, four Gospels, it covers three, you know, well, less than three years, really, you, you know, when Jesus comes on the scene, and you get the highlights. But most of life is lived in the trenches. So how do we live it in the trenches? How, what does it look like to give our utmost every moment of the routine? And so I put this spirit insight And that is, it's in the trenches, it's the daily, it's the routine, where we live out our utmost for his highest. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. It's interesting, because whether you eat or drink, that's just ordinary, normal, routine, daily stuff. While you're living in the trenches. And so we have to live God's wisdom, God's Ways, God's love, God's obey God's commandments in the trenches, moment by moment, practically applying it to our lives. With our spouses, with our children, with our parents, with our co-workers, with our neighbors, it's living it in the trenches. What does that look like? When we're changing diapers, or on the flip side, change, helping to change the depends of an older person. When we're doing laundry or taxes, fixing the house or fixing your hair. Some of you spend a lot more time than I do doing that. When we're doing anything, how are we living that to the glory of God? How are we living that in honor to God? In the trenches. Most of life is in the daily. And we only find meaning in those times as we're walking in partnership in mission with Christ, who transforms even the most daily moment into a relationship moment with Him. Colossians chapter 3, 17, whatever you do, in word or deed, there it is again, it's the trenches, ordinary in what you say, in what you do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God, to the Father through Him. We catch the rah-rah moments in Scripture, but they're applied and lived in the trenches. And it's one thing to come to a worship service and hear a rah-rah inspirational message, but if it's not something you can take and, and apply as you're leaving then 
it's not really applying to our life at all. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You're serving the Lord Christ. So I want you, I want you to think back through your, this past week. The moments of your past week. When you get up, when you make coffee or tea, when you get breakfast, when you start interacting with the people that are in your house, when you go about your day, when you're in the grocery store, when you're driving somewhere, when you're shopping or when you're working, when you're in the yard, when you're in the mall, when you're reading, when you're watching TV, moment by moment, in the trenches, it's to be in partnership with Christ. So that everything that we do. Because when Jesus came, he promised the Holy Spirit. He died, he was resurrected, he spent some 40 days, he left, and then 10 days later he sent his very Spirit to live within us. So that there's no single nanosecond of your 24-hour day that the Holy Spirit isn't living within you. So that moment by moment, a sense of His presence is lived out in the trenches. So as I was praying and thinking about that this morning, I sensed that the Spirit of God pointed me back to what I kind of referred to last week in Acts chapter 16. So flip over in your Bible to Acts chapter 16 that gives us the back story of Paul's letter to the Philippians. What happened to Paul when he was in Philippi. And as I, as I read through this again, I realized that it gives us some insight into the trenches of how we're supposed to be living in partnership with Christ. So that as we sang that song, um, uh, uh, which song was it? Happy, we're happy every day. Um, which one was it? At the cross. So, yeah, happy all the way. Happy all the day. Happy all the time. A sense of God's presence. Moment by moment by moment by moment by moment. As we are walking in alignment with Him. Now, if you start watching certain TV shows, Jesus is getting up and walking out. Amen. You start reading certain books. Jesus is not hanging around with that. And there, there's a... And so there's a sense of we lose that connection with him when we're not walking in alignment with him. So if, there's a, if you come across moments when you just don't sense God's presence, take a step back and say, okay, Jesus, what's going on here? Let me know, and he'll tell you. Turn that off. Change that conversation. Give me that anger that you've got, because that's not me. And so in the trenches, in the daily. And so here's, let's, go, let's take a look at how this played out for Paul. And so I, uh, we, we just read chapter 1 of Philippians. This is the backstory. Acts uh, chapter 16. So this is not in your outline. But if you're taking notes, in the trenches, this first part of Acts 16, in the trenches when you're making decisions. 
Is Jesus with you when you're making decisions? If you let him, right? If you go to him, he's not going to force himself. Watch what happens. Paul also came to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to take Timothy to accompany him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was Greek. So Paul was going to continue to reach out to the Jews. He didn't want anything in the way. Paul was half Gentile, half Jewish. He hadn't been circumcised. He's got to make a decision. Think about that conversation. Timothy, I'd love to have you along, but we got to take care of something. And Timothy goes, whoa, wait a minute. I don't know if I want to do that. That sounds painful to me. And it would be painful. There's no indication Timothy even hesitated. Why? Because it was in the trenches, on mission, in partnership with Jesus. That's a trench decision, isn't it? As they went on their way through the cities... I'm sure they waited a few days for Timothy to feel like traveling. They delivered to them, uh, as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem, passing on information about what it means to be a follower of Christ. So the churches were strengthened in faith, and they increased in their numbers daily. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Here's the Apostle Paul, filled with the Spirit of God, and he wants to go um, to, to Asia. He, he's a missionary, and he has a heart for Asia. He wants to go to Asia. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, but in the trenches, God is saying no. And because he's walking a step with the Spirit, he's trying to make decisions on what he should do in alignment with God, but the Holy Spirit, he, God has such access to him that the Holy Spirit is able to say, no, we're not going that way. Have you ever, do you ever come to places where you think you're supposed to make a certain decision, but the road gets blocked? Do you whine and complain and fuss with God and tell him he needs to open that door? Or do you pause and say, Lord, what is it that you're up to here? You see, so much of life is lived in the trenches, and so much of life is making daily decisions about what we're supposed to be doing. Amen. And, they, uh, and when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Another closed door. When, when things don't go the way that you think they should while you're living your daily life in the trenches, do you get frustrated with God? Or do you say something else must be up? You see, so much of this is lived in the trenches, in the daily decisions that we have to make. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Ah, see, God knows. If Paul insists on going this direction, he never experiences the vision from God. That's why we have to surrender, listen, and obey. Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Yeah, visions. Yeah, that's probably a good conclusion. Yeah. If you get a vision, I mean, I don't think there's much debate. If you're taking notes, in the trenches, 
while they're traveling. So in the trenches while making important decisions, in the trenches while traveling. Verse 11, so sending sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and following the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi. So they're, they're, pa- they're passing these other cities. They're not stopping. Why? Because they're walking a step of the Holy Spirit. They're making decisions in the trenches and surrendered to God, which is the leading city in the district of Macedonia and, find, and, they, and a Roman colony. And we remain in that city some days. They're traveling. They're traveling. They're sitting in a boat together. They're walking together. But every moment of every day, that's in the trenches, they're following God's Spirit. And I can just imagine here, Paul is thinking, oh, this is a great opportunity for me to disciple Timothy. Now, I'm not wasting time sitting around playing checkers on the boat with the sailors. What is it, God, that you want me to do? As you're going through your day, that daily stuff in the trenches, what is it God wants you to be about? If you're taking notes, the next one, in the trenches with a humble group of people, just a small group of people. It's not a rah-rah speech, and it's not a big game. Look what happens. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside because they went to a city that didn't even have a synagogue. (laughs) So we went... Uh, outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And I, I don't, and I, that caught me. Wh- wh- what would make you think there was a place of prayer at the riverside? Maybe the Holy Spirit, maybe in conversation when you were buying your food yesterday. I don't know. But what, in the trenches, God will guide us <coughs> to where he wants us to be and to connect with the people he wants us to connect with. And we sat down and spoke to the woman who had come together. One who heard was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what Paul had said. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. He was led to this small group of people, this humble gathering on the side of the river, because that's the ones who are open to God. Many of you are here sitting here today because you were driving by this building that doesn't look anything like a church building. And most people don't even notice that it's here, except for there's a sign out front. And as you drove by, something caught your attention beyond just the sign. And you ended up in here with this humble group of people because in the trenches of life, as you driving, God made you notice something. And so you're here with a humble group of people because there are, um, there are a lot of other groups that are gathering today that have um, better music, better performances, nicer buildings, big programming. They got all kinds of stuff, but you're here because the Spirit of God led you here. And we need to be paying that kind of attention as we're in the trenches looking for who God wants us to be involved with in our lives. The next one, in the trenches, I like this one, with daily annoyances. (laughs) Ginger's getting a kick out of this one. Is there anything annoy you 
as you go through your days. <laughs> yeah, a lot of things and a lot of people, right? There are people, I think, God puts our path just because they annoy us. Because he wants us to interact with them. Look, look at verse 16. And we were, uh, as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gained by fortune telling. So this was a slave girl, we don't know how old she was, filled with a demonic spirit who at least pretended to tell some kind of future or, or know something about uh, their lo- people's lives. And um, her owners were using her to make a lot of money. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And she kept doing this for many days. She wasn't praising God. She, the, the spirit within her was trying to disrupt what Paul was doing. And so this demonic spirit just kept saying it over and over again. He had to speak truth because it, Paul was there and, and demons have to be subjected to Jesus. And, and so she was proclaiming that, yes, this was, a, but she was disrupting so that they couldn't say anything else. And she kept doing this for many days. She kept doing it for many days. The spirit, so here's Paul being annoyed by this girl who was filled with a demon. Do you ever have people that just are annoying you all the time? But the Spirit of God would not let Paul cast the demon out. Day after day, he had to put up with the annoyance. You're in good company, right? Because we got people all around. And don't, don't, uh, don't nudge the person beside you when I talk about the people that annoy you. <laughs> it just, it's embarrassing when you start doing that. But we have people who annoy us, and we think we need to get rid of them. We need to eliminate them from our life or, or move away from them or do something. But do we go to God and say, God, what is this really about? Because I, I got to believe Paul, the first time she did it, wanted to cast the demon out. But because he's led by the Spirit of God, he doesn't do anything except what God wants him to do. So he puts up with it. Until finally, he be, becoming greatly annoyed, he turned and said to the Spirit. So here, here's the next one if you're taking notes. We live in the trenches following nudges. God's nudges. So we, we live in the trenches, putting up with the annoyances that God allows because he doesn't want us to change that. He wants us to live in a certain way. But then there comes a point when he nudges Paul, and finally Paul's given permission, and he said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her, and he came out that very hour. And when, we follow, when we're living in the trenches, following the nudges, you might want to write this one down. Guard yourself about um, extrapolating or, or thinking you know what God's going to do next. Because what happens is we have somebody annoying in our life, and finally God gives us permission to do something different. So that, 
and we think it's all going to be a fairy tale and suddenly the music, Hollywood music starts and the person becomes so nice and, and, um, and the crowds grab Paul and put them, him on their shoulders and march him downtown and in all praise and thanks God and it's not what happens. Sometimes God nudges us to do things that will cause us to be harmed. Because it's about his mission, it's not about us. Amen. Life in the trenches is hard, right? And sometimes when you're living in the trenches and you're following God's nudges, it makes it harder, not easier. But living in the Holy Spirit, we're joyful all the way. Hard is not bad. Anybody heard that before? Hard is not bad, hard is just hard. And sometimes God's right in the middle of hard, living in the trenches, following the nudges. The next one, living in the trenches and experiencing pain as a result of the nudges, experiencing rejection, betrayal, when you're doing good, when you're doing God's work. Verse 19, but when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And then in the Hollywood movies, you go, that's not the way it's supposed to be, right? That's not the way it's supposed to be. But when we're following God's nudges, even when it looks the bleakest and the hardest and the most painful, God's still working. Jesus on the cross is an example of that. And that's one of the reasons we celebrate communion is to remember that if we're going to follow Christ, it means taking up our cross and following him in the hard stuff because God, I, I think I've said this just in the last few weeks, but I've been saying it in different places. There are no exceptions to Romans 8.28. There are, there are no exceptions. As we're following in him, no matter what you're living in the trenches, God says, I will work all things together for good for those who are following his will. There are no exceptions to that. And so Paul has come to the place where he, following the nudges, well, of course, here we go. When they had brought, verse 20, when they had brought up the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. All lies, all false accusations, the crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off of them, gave orders to beat them with rods. You ever been beaten with a baseball bat? That's basically what it was. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. That's what happens when you're living in the trenches, following God according to his plan, not ours. Pain, hard is not bad, hard is hard. Pain is not bad, pain is just hurts. But God is bigger. And God will sustain us to do what he wants us to do in the trenches. And so some of you are going to leave this place after we worship and you're going to go back into the trenches and you're going to experience rejection, betrayal, and pain, and hard stuff, and not fairy tale endings yet. There is a fairy tale ending guaranteed to us all. It's called heaven. It's not called here. Sometimes it gets better, as we'll see in a moment, but not guaranteed. The next one, in the trenches, in unexplained circumstances, when it doesn't make sense. 
Hard is not bad. Hard is hard. And there are oftentimes when you're following God's nudges, that it doesn't make sense. We, you can't make earthly sense of it. You can only go to him and try to see through his eyes, which is what I plan to look at next week, um, for us to see it. Verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and prisoners were listening to them. They were, no, let me pause there. Beaten with rods, garments uh, naked, beaten with rods, inflicted many blows, threw them into the innermost part of the prison, bleeding at midnight. They were in the trenches with no guarantee that this wouldn't be the last day of their lives. As far as we know. So what do you do? If you really believe that God is working and you're living in the trenches, you say, God, what do you want me to do next? And evidently, God said, start singing. Start praising God. Which is, look at me, always a good option. When you're changing those depends on an elderly person and they don't want you to do it. It's always a good option to start singing worship songs. When your kid's vomiting, it's always a good option to start singing, right? When the neighbor is just hacked off at you and letting their dog poop in your yard, it's always a good option to start singing praise to God. Because it opens the way. You know, you know what? when you're praising God, whether it's music or just words, the devil can't stay. He can, he can, he's got to back up. He can be in the vicinity, but he can't be occupying you because you're occupied with God. Amen. It's always a good option to start praising God. And so it opens God to, to do what he wants to do. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. In the trenches, unexplained circumstances, when it doesn't make sense, look to God. Live for him. So has anybody noticed all these band-aids on my hand? Yeah. Everybody's going, why didn't Pastor Herb tell us what happened to him? <laughs> right? Because I know I'm, all, I'm the object of all of your attention in life, right? <laughs> so we had uh, uh, West, Church of God of West Pennsylvania leaders retreat up at Whitehall Camp uh, Thursday and Friday. Went really well. I was to speak Friday morning. Walking out, dark, out of the meeting room. There was no light, and so I'm walking down the sidewalk, briefcase in hand. Um, not really paying attention, but I couldn't see. So I missed the last step before the blacktop parking lot. I took a couple of steps and tried to catch my balance, but I went down. Hit my hand, picked myself up, and it was dark, so I couldn't see, but I felt this ooze coming out of my hand, and so I threw my briefcase in my car, went back into the meeting room, and there's blood everywhere. This is going everywhere. And, I, and uh, so Terry helped me put some band-aids on it. And then 
Um, I needed more Band-Aids, so I found one of the camp staff. I had to go over to the dining hall, went over to the dining hall. She gave me some Band-Aids, some antiseptic cream. Got in my car, um, and as I put it in drive, I, I heard this, and I went, what in the world? And I put my foot on the gas, and it, remember last week when I talked about my Grand Torino that had two glass pack mufflers? Yeah. That's what my car sounds like now. So the muffler and the catalytic converter or whatever is right underneath the seat, separated. So, and I, so I got a, my hand is bleeding. I'm in my car, and I go down to my room, down over the hill, trying to keep the blood from getting all over me. So, because if I go home with blood on my clothes, Sheila's not gonna be happy, and I don't want Sheila to be unhappy. <laughs> so. I get my key out that they've given me to get in my room, go to room 14, and it won't work. I'm just trying to get in my room so I can tend to my wounds and try to get some sleep because i got to speak tomorrow. So I get my briefcase, get my, you know, i got rag on my, my hand, get back in my car, go back up, try to find somebody who will give me a different room, get the room, go back. To, and, and by the time I got back to my room... I'm going, what is this about? It's like the gods have gone against me. <laughs> and then I, I, I and I'm, I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> Not really. I'm just glad that God has taken me through this process of taking a step back and saying, okay, God, what is really going on here? And so I did that. Several things came to my mind. The first one was God causing me to remember that I had my briefcase in my hand that I fell on top of that cushioned me from hitting the blacktop with anything other than my hand. And I thought, oh, I fell, but God was protecting me. I mean, I could have I ruined my face. I mean, this, this, this good-looking face... I could have broke my shoulder. I could have tore up my knee. I could, so many bad things could have happened. And it was like God saying, look, in your um, distractedness, in your imperfection, when you should have been paying attention, I was taking care of you. And those other things, not being able to get into my room, our distractions. So I was supposed to speak to the leaders of the Church of God in Western Pennsylvania the next day. Do you think maybe the enemy was trying to distract me? Because you know what they, you know what I was supposed to do? Talk about what it looks like to live right side up, which is the theme for the Church of God in Western Pennsylvania this year that God has been working on with us for five years. And Terry and Randy were there. They can tell you whether it was any good or not, but <laughs> seemed to hit the mark. And so I'm, I'm walking away going, in the trenches, you have to decide. The devil's always trying to distract us. He's always trying to get us mad about something, especially the people that he wants to allow the Holy Spirit to flow through to. But if we pay attention, we'll see God's hand taking care of us. I could have been hurt so badly. But God says, no, that stupid briefcase that weighs a ton that you carry around all the time, I want to use that. And my computer wasn't broken. 
That's a bonus, right? In the trenches, when things go wrong, are often when God is working most. So I want to, I, I really want you to grasp this, that living for our utmost is not responding to the rah-rah speeches, going out there and giving it our all and winning the game at the last moment. It's moment by moment doing the hard things that we have to go through with a, a song on our hearts and a trust in our beings so that God is able to do what he wants to do. And I am, I, and one of the things I'm thrilled about is on Friday morning, after all of that happened on, on, on Thursday night, is I know I ticked off the devil because he didn't distract me one bit. Amen. And that's the way we live, in the trenches. And it's not because of me, but it goes back to Philippians 1, 6. He who began a good work in you. It's, it's Christ in us. I, please, I, you know, I kid about this and... I don't, don't, we don't take any credit for any of that. It's just because God has been working and, and flowing through us. Loving those who hurt us. So the rest of the story, Paul, um, the, the jailer, sees all of the doors springing open, and he knows if any of the prisoners escape that he will be, he will, he will be um, killed as punishment. And Paul calls out, no, no, we're still here. The people, the, the jailer that, that Paul could have gone, oh, yep, that's what he deserves. Let him kill himself and then we'll leave. No. He, he, lo, the, as you leave here, there are people that are hard to love. That God has put specifically in your life so that he can love through you. He put him in that jail cell and he put that jailer on duty that night because God was working in that jailer's life. And then it creates more conflict, which is the last one. So in the trenches, loving those who hurt us, in the trenches, creating more conflict for God's honor. God is always up to something. He's always, always up to something. So what is it in your life that is causing the hardest time? Mentally, emotionally, relationally, physically, spiritually, in the trenches, moment by moment, day after day, getting up every day, having to face the trenches. Those are the things where God wants to work most. It's not the rah-rah speeches. It's not the big game. Those happen once in a while. But every day we're in the trenches. And there's joy. And there's delight. When we look to Him with a song on our hearts, turning to Him instead of giving in to what the devil is trying to do. Finally, just, just notice, in all of this, Paul was never alone. Amen. One of the ways that the devil gets to us in the trenches is when we're alone. So I walked back in to the meeting room where they were playing charades. And, the, my, and so, you know, God was doing all this work and Herb shows up. I mean, me. And I walk in, I'm thinking... I wonder if I can get to the sink and not let anybody see that I'm so stupid and that I fell. Because the first thing you do when you fall is you look around and see if anybody, <laughs> right? 
but it was bleeding so bad that I had to find Band-Aids, so I had to ask somebody to help, and Terry wasn't playing charades, and so she came over to help me, and then somebody else saw that, and, and, and it's embarrassing. But nobody condemned me. They just shook their head laughed, and laughed. That's Herb. And they helped. And we need, and, and so Paul had Silas when he was in jail. Paul had Silas and Timothy and who knows who else. Has he, we need each other. So when it gets hard in the trenches, if, if you don't take anything else away but this, when it gets hard in the trenches, call for help. Amen. Humble yourself enough to say, it's okay to be embarrassed. It's okay to make mistakes. We need each other. We desperately need each other. Would you bow your heads? What are you facing in the trenches? God's there. He's working all things together in the midst of it. But the trenches are hard. And sometimes you need a good cry with somebody else. Sometimes you need somebody to pat you on the back and encourage you. Sometimes you need to just get away and spend some time listening to the Lord, sensing that His presence is there. But the trenches is where we live, and it's the trenches are where God is working most, and the trenches are where God will use us on mission in partnership with Him so that others can see God as we go through the trenches. As we begin this um, season of Lent, would you say, God, whatever, what, just whatever, whatever. Lord, I pray that you would work as you want to work. God, overcome our resistance, our wrong thinking. Overcome whatever might be in the way and, and let us live in step with you moment by moment, trusting deeper, surrendering broader, and finding the joy that's there. We pray that you would bring revival to us, ignite us to more deeply trust and live for you. Lord, I pray for our prayer gathering on Wednesday that you would begin to work in us now so that as we gather, it would be a powerful experience of your presence. Whatever you want to do. We give ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.